This Torah portion is called Shalach, which means send, and it's in within this Torah portion, there is a very famous story. Definitely some sermon fodder in this Torah portion. Um, it's the portion where Moses sent out 12 spies. We all know the story. To spy out the land prior to entering it, he sent one man from every one of the 12 tribes of Israel to spy out the land. Joshua and Caleb are two of the 12. They go and they spy out the land. They do it for 40 days. They come back after their little mission. And 10 of those spies from 10 of the tribes gave a bad report about the land. One of their words that's written in the Torah is that this land devours its inhabitants. Like it was, a, it was a bad report. Like we should not go into this land. And we know the story Joshua and Caleb said, no, 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 don't listen to these people. This is a good land. We can take it. God is on our side. Amen. It's an encouragement for all of us when God is calling us in whatever it is, whatever capacity, when God says, you can take that land, I am on your side, to just have the faith to go forward, to not be afraid. Amen. Even if it looks like there are obstacles ahead, even if it looks like there are giants, even if it looks like you look like grasshoppers according to them, you twist that, they're the grasshoppers and you're the giant because you have the anointed one within you. So no, so the people of Israel got very afraid and they quarreled with Moses and they tried to kill Moses again. God said it's the tenth time. Tenth time. It was prior to Yeshua saying, forgive them 70 times seven. So God was forgiving up to ten. Yeshua said, no, Dad, we gotta go to 70 times seven. Later on. That was a joke. <laughs> Alright. So they tested God ten times, and all of a sudden, after ten after ten tests where they tested God, where they where they went against God, where they didn't believe God, where they didn't have faith, where they went against Moses. God said, enough is enough. And Moses, once again, had to go on his face. He spent more time on his face than probably any of us. He spent more time on his face than any other rabbi. That's a lesson for me. Just, Father, just forgive them, please. Like, that was a joke. <laughs> I, I spent one week away and everybody loses their sense of humor. Like they're not laughing at my jokes anymore. Stephanie must have been funny last week. She was great. I heard it was wonderful. I heard it was fantastic. So, um, so Moses is on his face. Please forgive them. Please forgive them. Please forgive them. God says, okay, I'm going to forgive them for this, but I'm going to tell you what. None of these people are going to enter my land. Now, I don't know if that's a little, a little slap against once saved, always saved, because all of those people put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts, and only two of them made it in. But I'll just leave that right there. That's for another sermon. But God said, all these people, you're going to die out here in this wilderness, and the children that you said are going to be bred for the people, the inhabitants of this land, they're going to make it in. But you're, none of you are going to make it in. So, of course, you know, you have to wonder, what was so bad about this, outside of it being the 10th time and God kind of lost his patience after 10? Like, what was it about this specific incident 
that made God say, that's it. These people are not coming into the land. They're dying out here. They're not going to receive their inheritance. What was so bad? They complained against God when they were hungry. They complained against God when they were thirsty. God gave them manna. They complained about the manna. It wasn't tasting enough. They'd rather go to an olive garden, have the unlimited pasta. <laughs> the the, the sand that they, they put was tasty. Where's the salt? Where's the pepper? I want a little olive oil so I can dip it in. They didn't like the manna. They complained again about that. They complained against Moses. They complained against Aaron. They complained against Miriam. God forgives every time. They even built a golden calf. They committed like a cardinal sin, a major idolatry. All right, he's not God. We're going to build ourselves a God of, of gold and we're going to worship. God forgave them then. So what was so bad about what they did? There's only one difference between what they did this time and every other time. They complained against God many times. But you know, God's got a, he's pretty tough. He can handle it. They complained against Moses. But this was different. This time, they spoke against the land. That was the difference. For all the complaints, they spoke against the land. And it's a little bit more of a, of a realization and an understanding for Christians, for the body of Messiah, for those who love the Lord, to always support Israel. It doesn't mean you have to agree with every prime minister or president there. It doesn't mean you have to agree or disagree with every political move or military move or anything like that. Certainly there are many prophets throughout the Bible who are very, very harsh on the kings of Israel. But it doesn't mean they didn't support Israel. So you have to make a distinction. It doesn't just mean blind fealty. It means your love for Israel surpasses anything and your support for Israel. So it's a, it's a wake-up call to all the people that love God. To, like God says, you, know, you can mess with me. I might even let you mess with my boy, Moses. But don't mess with my land. Don't touch my land. I almost hear the Spirit of God saying that. Don't touch my land. Don't mess with my land. It reminds me of the verse from Zechariah where uh, God said, For the blood of through Zechariah, the one who touches you, Israel, touches the, the pupil of my eye, the apple of my eye. The pupil of my eye. Now, can you imagine, like, all right, here's a little, here's a, little uh, a lesson for everyone. Everybody open your eyes real wide. Okay? Now, take your finger. Everybody, no. and don't blink and touch your pupil. Ready? Here we go. One. I'm not going to make you do that. Why won't I make you do that? Because it hurts. And germs. But that's how God feels about the land of Israel. It's the apple. It's the pupil of his eye. And I want to just share something, a revelation about these, this issue of the spies and spying out the land that is meaningful to Christians. Because how many tribes gave the bad report? How many tribes, hundreds of years later, in the, in, with Kings David's, 
Great grandson. How many tribes split away from Israel? Ten. Ten tribes went spied out the land, gave the bad report. Ten tribes later on left Judah, the Jewish people, and went on their own to do their thing. Now, there are people that think that, like, we're the lost tribe. There's so many little little subgroups out there of, of religious people or Christians that are like, we're the lost tribes. You ever hear that? Like, there's always, who are the lost tribe? We're the lost tribe. We're the true Israelites. And we even see that sometimes in, in, in Messianic groups, like Christians are the real lost tribes. So, I don't know anybody's lineage. If you are Baruch Hashem, if not Baruch Hashem too, God makes no distinction. Whatever your lineage is. No distinction. But I will say this. Those tribes, the lost tribes, the ones that split away from Judah, is a prophetic picture of believers. Prophetic. It doesn't have to be natural. It's a prophetic picture of believers. And that and the spy, the tens tribes that spied out the land, is a prophetic picture of the ones who went away from the land of Israel, that went away from, from Judah. And you see those verses in, I'm sorry about my fault with the that. So if you look at 1 Kings 12, they broke, and you can read these scriptures on your own. They, first of all, they broke off with the Jews. Now tell me if this sounds like the early Christian church. You ready? This is about those 10 tribes of Israel. They broke away from Judah. They broke away from the Jewish people. They set up idols. This is the early church. They set up idols. They appointed all new priests. It says in this verse, in verse uh, 31, it says that he, this, uh, this Jeroboam, appointed priests from all the people who are not of the sons of Levi. So they made their own priests. Does that sound familiar? They instituted new holidays. Does that sound familiar? In this one, it says in the 15th day, in the 8th month, the month that he devised in his own heart, he instituted a feast. Does that sound familiar of the early, the early church? But they will reunite at the end. Now, this is going away from 1 Kings into Ezekiel. We see them taking the stick of Joseph, which is Israel, and the stick of Judah, and the two sticks become one. In his hand. Does that sound like Paul when he spoke about the two olive branches coming together? There's, there's very much a prophetic connection between the lost tribes of Israel and what they did when they broke away from the Jewish people and the church. Now, why am I saying this? If the, if the spy, the ten spies that gave the banner report, is a prophetic picture of the tribes that left the Jews. And that is a prophetic picture of, of the Gentile believers. I believe that this is why the Gentile believers have this prophetic opportunity to do what your forebearers didn't. The ten tribes gave a bad report about Israel. Now in this day, Ananias is looking for the Christian church to stand in the gap for their forebears, the ten tribes that gave the bad report, and stand up and say it is a good land. And we can take the land, Israel. We can take the land, my brothers. Is there anyone here that's ready to stand in the gap and do what those tribes did not?
not do. Amen. And give a good report for the land of Israel. That's what he's asking Christians this day to do. Bless the Lord. Don't touch my land. I just feel the Lord saying that. Don't touch my land. It reminds me of the verse from the Psalms, which says, don't touch my anointed ones. And do not harm my prophets. Don't touch my anointed ones. Now, of course, David, King David, was speaking about Israel. He was actually speaking about the sons of, of, of Jacob at that time. Don't touch my anointed ones. Don't touch my anointed ones. Don't touch my land. Who are the anointed ones? Who are the anointed ones? I think this is an important question. You know, it says in the Psalms, don't touch my anointed ones. So who in your heart are the anointed ones? And who in your heart is, are not the anointed ones? You know, it reminds me of a question from the book of Luke when a lawyer went to Yeshua and said, what are the most important commandments? And he responded with the Shema. And he responded with, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then the second command is like the first. V'yahavta, l'riacha, kamocha. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then this lawyer who he was talking to did something very rabbinic. Okay. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, who's my neighbor? This is a very rabbinic thing, by the way. This is how the rabbis of that day and earlier discussed things with each other. This is how they looked at the Torah. The Torah says, love your neighbor. Okay, who's my neighbor? Is it only the guy that lives next door? Is it the guy that lives in my town? In fact, to give you a little bit of Jewish history, a, a, a generation prior to Yeshua, there were two main houses of teaching in Judaism. They were, it's called, they were called the House of Hillel and the House of Shammai. Now, Shammai, they were very rigid. That, that interpretation school was very rigid in how they interpreted Torah. So according to Shammai, love your neighbor as yourself only meant Jews. But the house of Hillel, they were a little more liberal. And they, it, they expanded that. Okay, love your neighbor as yourself. That includes converts. Now this lawyer asked Yeshua in the same fashion. Okay, who's my neighbor? And Yeshua brought up the Samaritan. And the only way to understand that is to understand the contentious relationship between Jews and Samaritans. That's true. Because the Samaritans were the children of the exiled Israelites and non-Jews. And they were the descendants of them. And the Jews didn't like them. They were like pariahs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes we even see in this nation and Especially in our, in our past, there were people groups that were like pariahs. We don't want anything to do with them. So it was a strong statement from Yeshua to say, to equate who's your neighbor and bring up a parable about a Samaritan. 
And I think the way you answer this question, who is your, love your neighbor as yourself? Who is your neighbor? Who is the anointed one? Don't touch my anointed ones. Don't touch my land. Who is the anointed one? I believe that the way we answer that question speaks worlds about our character. Who are the anointed ones? How about, how about political leaders that we don't agree with? Are they the anointed ones? I'm getting some head shakes, no. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. You know, I am always, always cautious not to speak bad words against officials that are in government. Even if I disagree with everything, I'm very, very cautious. I mean, there's some scripture that um, that supports that. Cyrus, King Cyrus, was a pagan king. He was the leader of the kingdom of Persia, Babylon. God actually called him his anointed. Don't touch my anointed. Here he says Cyrus, King Cyrus. is his anointed. And we know King David would not reach his hand out against King Saul. Now, King Saul was demon-possessed. Demon-possessed, out to kill him, and just a maniac at that time. Maniacal. And David said, I will not reach out my hand against my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. Very, very cautious about making sure that I'm not speaking against the ones that God put into power. No matter, even if I just disagree with everything. So who is the anointed? I think this is a question that we need to ask ourselves. Don't touch my land. Who is God's land? And the way we answer that question, I think we need to ponder that. And we need to bring that before the Lord. And we need to bring that back in prayer. If I am asked the question, if God is saying, don't touch my land. If God is saying, don't touch my anointed. If God is asking me, who is who do you consider your neighbor when it says, love your neighbor as yourself? I gotta be careful about who I'm answering, who I'm saying is, and who I'm saying is not. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. What about our enemies? Like, what about the people that hurt us? What about the church that hurts you? Are they the anointed? Oh, the Spirit left that church. So I left. I followed the Spirit right out of that church. The Spirit did not leave the church. You may be experiencing a little bit of the fading glory. Remember how you know Moses came down and the, his face was shining, but then the glory started to fade. In the writings in the New Testament, it says so he hid his face because they didn't want they didn't, he didn't want the people to see the fading glory. Do you know that fading glory is something that we deal with in congregations? And I've said it before here. People do experience that here at Mishkan Levi. They come in, they're like, oh my gosh, this place is amazing. They come next week, yes, it's good. They come in the next week, yes, pretty good. <laughs> they come in the next week. Didn't they do that song already? <laughs> they come in the next week. What are they doing with that thing again? That Torah, they do that every week. I don't understand. Well, the, the, the spirit doesn't leave. The spirit doesn't leave. You may not be, you not be connecting. But the Spirit is like that. So don't lay hands on God's anointing.
leave at church, leave with a blessing. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Leave with a blessing. Don't leave with a curse. I'm going to wipe my feet with dust. <laughs> no, 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 no. If you're going to leave, leave with a blessing. Because they are God's anointed. There's a part of that with God's anointed, too. Especially Barbara. Yeah. No, no, don't go there, boy. <laughs> but only when he's absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely, Barbara. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Our enemies, are, can we consider them God's anointed? You know, there's, oh, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if I have it here. Oh, there it is. So when Israel split from Judah in this story when the ten tribes split from the southern kingdom the kingdom of judah this was rough right can you imagine that like how many people don't want like a civil war to happen in this country and actually for states to actually uh secede i think people want it actually but you know but, but, you know that would be a tough thing right it'd be a tough thing to see a country divided that's tough i mean for those who love america right that would be something mournful we, we would cry over that if we actually saw legitimate split up of this country into two countries. That's a sad thing. But this happened in Israel. Ten tribes, most of them, split away and formed their own country and their own, with their own laws, with their own priests, like I said, in their own holidays. They split away and they did a thing, right? And of course there was contention. Now comes where are we going to go to war with these people? So Judah was thinking of going to war, but a prophet went to the king. Uh, uh, Rehoboam and said this and this is really interesting this is what the Lord says you shall not go up nor fight against your brothers the sons of Israel return in other words put down your weapons return every man to his house for this thing has come from me says the Lord for this thing has come from me this is a tragedy this is a country split. How can that be within God's will? But he's telling them, don't fight through the prophet. This, even this has come from me. If we have that attitude about our enemies, don't fight. This has come from me. Don't lay a hand or fight against your brother. This has come from me. What does it mean this has come from me? It means that God has a greater plan greater than what we see, even in a very, very difficult situation. So who is God's land? Who is God's anointed? Who is your brother? Who is your neighbor? Even your enemy. May we see the anointed one, even in our enemies. May we see that. May we see where else? Where else do we need to be expanded? Where else do we need to be challenged? As far as who is God's land? Who is God's anointed? I'm telling you, I think the Spirit of God is waiting for us to say that. When other people are being attacked by Satan, he's waiting for us to say, don't touch God's anointed. Whoever it is getting attacked. You ever feel, I'll tell you something. There are some people that post stuff on Facebook I don't agree with anything they're saying. Like I'm completely in disagreement with, with, their, with their political and social worldviews. But if somebody comes against them, there's something in me that raises up. Don't touch God's anointed. 
Don't touch God's anointed. Because it's spiritual battle to say that. Do you know that you can say that? Even in the spiritual realm, you can call that out to, to say, don't touch God's anointed. Even over bodies, we're going dealing with the sickness. Don't touch God's anointed. We can say that. It's spiritual battle to say that. We're even praying for Israel right now. You've got to pray for Hamas and the rest because they are still God's people. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Pray for our people. Absolutely. And love our yeah, people. Absolutely. They are they are the real victims of, of these things. When you pray for the peace of Israel, you have to pray for the whole of Israel, not just That's right. Jerusalem. Absolutely. Hundred percent. So who is God's anointed? Everybody. The answer is very simple. It's in the word anointed. You know, every time that we've seen the word anointed in the, in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh, where God says either don't touch me, my anointed, or this is my anointed, or whatever the word is, or Cyrus is my anointed, you know what the Hebrew word is for anointed is? It's Mashiach. It's the same word for Christ. Every time we see it, whether it's Cyrus, whether it's Abraham, whoever it is, the word for the anointed, don't touch my Mashiach, is exactly what it says. So who is the anointed one? Yeshua is the anointed one. So who is the anointed one? Well, who does Yeshua equate himself with? As you have done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Yeshua equates himself with the pariahs, with the unwanted, with the unlovable, with the hateable. And if he equated himself with them, then they, all of them, are God's unwanted. Don't touch my land. God is saying, don't touch my land. Don't touch my land. Thank God that angels are saying it when we don't. Because when you're going through trouble, when you're going through trials, and the enemy's looking to kick you in the teeth, angels are saying that. Don't touch my land. Don't touch my land. So may we have eyes to see who the land is, who the anointed one is, who our brother is, who our neighbor is. And be quickened and say, I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to touch God's anointed. I'm not going to touch Yeshua. See Yeshua in everybody. Even ourselves, Barbara, like you said. Yeah. Bless the Lord. Amen. Yeshua's name. Amen.